scripture memory verse tonight, John 5.44, the long-awaited for John 5.44. How can you believe, you who receive honor from one another, rather than the honor from the only God? John 5.44 Well, that comes from. I left out comes from, didn't I? Sorry. It's a difficult verse, isn't it? It's very difficult. Anybody else? Anybody memorize it? Anybody want to try it? John 5, 44. How can you believe who receives honor from one another and does not seek the honor that comes from the only God. John 5.44 Good job. Anybody else? I do like the King James in this, not the, not the New King James. Because the, the New King James, or excuse me, the King James says, from God only. And I think it needs to be in that order. This says from the only God, which is a true statement. There's only one God. But the verse needs to say, can you, can you read John 544 there, uh, Ray? How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? From God only. Do you see the difference? I want you to understand that, that the <clears throat> phrase here, the phraseology makes it okay, the only God, because we know that is the truth. But the text wants us to understand that the only honor we should be seeking is that which comes from God. See, because if you are seeking honor from man, even after you seek the honor of God, it can be flattering and it can motivate you and you can do the wrong thing. We do not want to get our motivation from man. We want to be led by the Spirit. So I just wanted to make that point quickly because it can actually seem like this verse is okay to memorize like this, but I would like to memorize it the way the King James says at the end, and do not seek the honor that comes from God only, because it becomes emphatic that you only want to seek the honor that comes from God, because when you begin to pursue honor, then it becomes easy to receive that flattery, to easy to receive them accolades, easy to receive those different rewards from man, and that becomes your motivation other than seeking God. So you can be deceived into doing things for the wrong reason, be practicing religion, and not be right. Uh, anybody else? John 5.44. did the same thing I did, didn't she? We both left out that comes from. I did it, left out the word comes from. Honor from the only God, or God only. John 5, 44. Good job, honey. Um, again, I'm not going to teach all of John 5, but I like, anybody else want to try it? Anybody else want to read it? Anybody else memorized it? 
it is a verse that has this emphatic uh, question or, or, or an interrogative of what is what I've seen here lately when I'm studying, is that's what it's called when he says, how can you believe? He's asking a question in a direction. Um, it, it, so it makes that sentence really strange with that comma there. How can you believe, comma, and then he accuses them who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor which comes from God only. Oh. So that gives us direction, you know. But let's look back and see what's going on because obviously something's going on. How can you believe? Listen to me, because there's false converts in the church. Listen to me. False converts come from false teaching, falsely believing. And he's saying to these that he's speaking to, how can you believe? Your heart is focused in the wrong direction. Your mind is going in the wrong way. You're looking to, to be honored by, by men or honor other men, and you're looking to get your esteem from them and not from Christ, not from, the own, from God only. And see, all of our identity has to be wrapped up in God. Everything has to be wrapped up in him who purchased us with his blood. We get it from Christ's esteem. Our identity comes from what the scriptures say, not from what man says of us, not from what we feel. When you look around at the culture and you see the woke movement, when you see this woke going on, see, we, God tells us to, to wake from our sleep and he will give us light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so we're given a command to wake up, and it's as if the devil mocks us and calls the whole culture woke. And then what does he do? He focuses the entire culture on honoring the feelings and emotions of people and not the truth of God. So everything's based upon how I feel, what I want to be true, instead of the truth that we have. Because truth is a person. Truth is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is also the light of the world. And men don't want to receive that light. They want to live in darkness. So it, what they call woke is really death culture. What they call being woke is really following your emotions and your feelings and, and killing what God says is true about mankind, that we all have a sin nature, that we're born enemies with God, and we need a Savior to deliver us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so when we begin to believe, especially look at the apostasy of even the church, the Southern Baptists. Now, not all Southern Baptists, I'm not speaking about them, but at their convention, they adopted CRT, critical race theory. They adopted Marxism and socialism, and they're adopting all these things. Why? Because they're believing their own press clippings. They want to believe what man says and what man wants and what emotions say and what feelings say and what wokeness in the culture says. And they want to take the truth of God and turn it into a lie. They, they, they want, there's a time that's coming that, that men will not endure sound doctrine. And listen to what they did. And I'll just tell you really quickly because it's going to be our text. And if we search the scriptures, we don't have to follow this, these type of lies. But I was watching this little clip the other day, and you can watch it too, about the, the SBC. And they've walked completely away from God. And um, you may have heard about it. Rick Warren, the heretic Rick Warren, uh, ordained three women as pastors. 
and I've been saying he's a heretic for, for years, um, he ordained three women. And he's, he's SBC. So there was some scuttlebutt. What's going on? We don't ordain women. It's one of our laws. The word of God is clear. You must be the husband of one wife. So that's pretty clear. You don't even have to go searching out anything else. If you must be the husband of one wife, and we understand that God created a male and female, and then there's a husband and a wife. There's not two husbands. There's not two wives. There's, there's, there's not one that's one or two sexes, and one of them calls himself a husband. It's actually a man and a woman that become one in a marriage, and then the husband can become a pastor, not a woman. Doesn't mean that a woman's less than. It means a woman's protected from and comes out of the side of and is blessed because she is a type of the bride, just like us, the church of Christ, who is his, the head. But anyway, my point is this, that he ordains these three women and says it's time that we, you know, come into the, to, to our age and, and stop doing this. And we recognize that women have talents and abilities too and, and not keep meditating on, listen, secondary issues. Out of his mouth. He said it right out of his mouth. Listen, since when did the word of God become secondary in anything that it says? And so what did they do? They go, oh, wait a minute. He did what? We better form a commission to study this. Why do we need a commission to study what the word of God says? We already know that there's only men can be pastors of churches. God will use a woman if there's no man available. We see the Bible showing so they form this panel, and then in this panel, they have a big conference, and he invites them all to California to his church to have the conference. And then he stands up. Now, listen, we're getting into this because I want to talk about the honor we have. He stands up, and I, I was almost like, what? He begins to talk about the 900 churches that have come out of his church alone. He begins to talk about all the people he's discipled. He begins to honor himself, boasting in what he's done and what God has used him to do. And he uses that for a reason of why we can now ordain women because he feels like it. That's it. That's it. He felt like it. And then the SBC allowed it to happen. And the SBC has joined it. Now, there's people that's left the movement. I'm not, like, again, like I said, it's not emphatic. It's not all of them. But they've completely went apostate. So are other churches. And that's why I'm telling you, you have to stay in the Word of God. You have to stay in the Word of God. And I want to take you back to the context, and then we'll come back to this honoring. Because that's what he was doing. He was honoring his own press clippings. He was honoring his own work. He was honoring and boasting about what he had done and saying, because I've done all of this, now I'm able to go and ignore secondary things and ordain these women as pastors. Now we can ignore the word of God because look at everything we're doing. That, that's, that's pure apostasy. To ignore what God says is true just because you're having success or what looks like success and it's earthly success. Let's go back to where Jesus tells them over here in the text. We're talking about witnesses. We're talking about who Jesus is. We're talking about why he would be able to, to even uh, uh, do what he's doing. And he's talking about the witnesses that bear witness. In fact, he even talks about John. I might bring this up Sunday. But I just want to go right back over to verse 39. Now, in the New King James, it says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But in the King James... You is not there. Now, I just want you to know, it just says, search the scriptures. 
You hearing me? You listening to me? Now, I don't care which way it says it. It can be emphatically, search the scriptures if you don't understand. It can be, you search the scriptures. It can be that, that he's saying to them that you've been searching the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which did. But, but neither, neither way does it matter. You want to be in the scriptures. That's the place he's pointing you to. The scriptures. The scriptures. But you can search them for the wrong reason. Listen, we're going to get to this point. You can be in the scriptures to, to make yourself look good. To honor yourself. To make people think that you have knowledge. You can be in the scriptures so that you can have power and pomp and prestige. And you are the one up front getting the glory. You can be in the scriptures for the wrong reason. You want to be in the scriptures because... Look what they do. They point to Jesus. They testify clearly of Jesus. Listen to me. You search the scriptures. You. Are you searching the scriptures? 2 Timothy 2.15. Let's look at that. What does it say? The scriptures is the place that we want to be. It, and it's what I was telling a young man today. I said, listen, uh, listening to a preacher, yes, because it's for the equipping of the saints. It's one of the gifts to, to uh, uh, um, equip the body until we all come to the unity of the faith, he says there in Ephesians 4. But you must have a personal love relationship. You must study the scriptures. You must know what you believe. You must come and hear his voice. Why? Because my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You can't follow the voice without a personal relationship. You can't follow the word of God, but you can live in a woke community where everybody follows emotions and feelings. You can live in a woke church where everybody's following the pastor's emotions and feelings. It's 2 Timothy 2.15. Is that what I said? Be diligent to present yourself. What's that? Your eyes? What's that? Your soul? What's that? Your spirit? Present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then if we would keep going, he says, to, to shun profane and idle babblings. All of this other stuff that has nothing to do with truth, just shun it. The Lord's bond person is not quarrelsome. When somebody's making an argument and they're using their feelings or emotions or some woke culture or something that they have done to prove the scriptures and the scriptures can't stand on their own to prove them, then you need to just shun their profane babblings because that's all they're doing. God is clear on what he said to do. He wants us to search the scriptures and be diligent in it. To be diligent. Listen, you want to grow your faith? Listen, what's our question here? How can you believe? Your eyes are looking for the wrong reason. Your heart is moving in the wrong direction. You're listening to the wrong voice. You want honor and prestige. You want titles here on this planet. You want to grow yourself instead of lift up him who is the famous one. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So if our lives are lived in a way where we're honoring God in all things, looking to glorify God, and he's being lifted up, he'll take care of us. 
It's really that simple. It's really that simple. Where is my heart focused on? Well, the world in the American dream teaches us that whoever gets the most toys wins. And that we need to get a good education and we need to become the boss and we need to every year get more and more and more and we need to hand on more and more to our kids. But So they kind of muddy up the gospel and they act like the American dream is the same as the gospel. But we're not looking to be honored down here. If you receive your blessings down here, you don't get any up there. You lose your blessing if you get it down here. Now, I'm not talking about walking around going, oh, woe is me, just step all over me, I'm just a doormat. And I'm, I'm talking about being a proper witness, setting your heart in the right place so that the fire of God, the word of God, the spirit of God can burn out the dross and you begin to focus on honoring God, glorifying God, lifting up God. And all that he wants you to do is be a witness, to give testimony. And he will do it through you and for you if you will put him in the right place in your life. If we put him in the right place in our life. And it begins by, he's telling them, search the scriptures. For in them you think, let's look, I really probably am not finished with that. Because we know that the scripture, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says it's living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it is a judge. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So as we're searching the scriptures, it's actually judging our hearts. Am I honoring God here? Am I looking to take care of me here? Or am I lifting up God? What am I doing here? And so when you stay in this perfect law of liberty, as James calls it, this mirror that looks into our soul, then it can continue to keep you in the right place. It becomes the plumb line by what you live and you're not lifting up yourself. You're not drawing attention to yourself. You're not trying to get people to notice you, but you're trying to get them to get into the word, to have a love relationship with God. See, because so many people follow men and it's okay to follow men as long as they're following Jesus. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, with the word of God, how in the world do you know when that man begins to follow his emotions, his feelings, and make decisions based upon what he thinks he should do because he's already planted 900 churches, now I can exit the word of God and do what I want to do. I can become like the most high God the devil wants us to do. And so now I get to make my own decisions because I've already done real good at this. But see, Paul says, no one has arrived. Not that, not that I have attained, but one thing I do, I forget that which is behind me, my mistakes, and I press on toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe we should forget even our victories in the sense of we don't want to begin to boast in self, in the sense of we don't want to begin to brag of self or build up spiritual pride like the Pharisees and Sadducees had that we're talking about here, that we're looking only to honor one another and have the best seats in the, in the city and have the best places in the marketplace. And get all of the, oh, there he is there. Look at his phylacteries. Look at his robes. Look at his gowns. Look how he's dressed. Oh, what a man that is right there. That's exactly what he is, a man. And he's going to die and go to hell if he doesn't bow down and humble himself in the sight of God so that God can lift him up. And that's what we need to understand. But the world and the schools of higher learning in this world are not just teaching socialism and Marxism. 
They're teaching self-esteem. They're teaching pride. They're teaching be proud of yourself. They're teaching that you need to do all of these things that are directly opposed to the Word of God. The Word of God says be dead to self. That there's nothing good that, that dwells in self. And we need to understand that. But they say this is, oh, that's antiquated. We now understand human nature so much better now. And we need to build you up in your esteem. We need to train you a little bit better. We need to lead you to hell is what they want to tell you. When did the church begin to follow the secular world? As soon as it became apostate. That's why I call it culturality. Listen, all of us got issues. We got to cancel some subscriptions. But our wisdom, understanding, and knowledge comes from the Lord. It comes from spending time searching the scriptures, asking God, praying with God, spending time with God, walking in the word so that he can give us wisdom, so that he can shine his light in our darkness and we can grow and learn. And in that all is going to be sin and mistakes. I don't care what anybody says. You're going to, just like every other character in the Bible, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall short of the glory of God. Oh, is that that word? Romans 3. My brain went dead. What is that? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory. 323? Yeah. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Guess what? That's the same word here. Doxa. The same word for honor. It's the word doxa. When it's used for God, it's glory. When it's used for you and me, it's glorification. The third leg of the race. See, we're supposed to search the scriptures, find out truth, become like Christ so that we can keep our eyes fixed on what? The end of the race, the finish line. If you're running a race, where do you, you don't get your eyes fixed on the people in the crowd. You don't get your eyes on going, you're running really good. That's good. Watch out. You get your eyes fixed on the finish line, leaning forward into the race. And see, this word here to me and you means glorification. Not glorifying the people sitting next to us. Not writing books and then scribbling in there and going, oh, this is such a good book. This is going to change the world. And, and writing all these little accolades in there for somebody. This is the best book that we needed. I seen somebody, what did they say the other day? Oh, this is the book that needed to be written in this time and this place. And this is going to be the most popular book. Who cares? Read your Bible. Look what God has said about men. Look what God has said about man. You can look. He didn't need anyone to testify of man. It's in John a couple pages back. He said in 2.24, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of men, for he knew what was in man. He knows the nature that's in us. That's why he came and died. He knows how sinful we are. That's why he came and died for us. He knows what we're going to do. What we're supposed to be testifying of is dying to something, testifying of him. He doesn't need nobody to tell us what's in Greg. All you got to do is read your Bible. I have a sin nature just like anybody else. And if I'm not stomping it into the grave and daily denying self, I'm going to get up and be living the same way. And if you live the same way that these are that are honoring one another long enough, it becomes the norm. It becomes culturality. It becomes the way church is done. Let's invite him to our conference because then next year he'll invite us to his conference. Let's invite that guy over here and then we'll invite each other here and we'll say all these nice things about each other and then people will know that we're the best and then they'll buy our books and then we'll make money and we can even write some more. 
and then we can honor some more, and then we can glorify some more, and then we can keep pushing this, and we can grow a big church. Where's God at in that? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to be the bad guy, and people probably get mad at me. But where's honoring God in that? Oh, I, I, I got up and spoke and talked to him about God. Really? Wait till you see next week's verse. Because this is what we do when we begin to honor self and men and lift up men and not Jesus. Then we begin to make commandments. We begin to make commandments of our own and they become doctrine of men and we stop following the doctrine of God. Listen to me. Are you searching the scriptures? He can say, you search the scriptures or search the scriptures. Are you being diligent to daily be in the word of God and search for God and find out what the character, nature, and will of God is for your life? Are you searching the scriptures? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. Listen, it's really difficult to put the word of God and and searching it daily into your lifestyle. But it's the most rewarding thing that you're ever going to do is to make this a steady diet, your daily bread. Give us today our daily bread to spend some time in the Word every day because you're humbling yourself, you're bowing down, you're stopping and saying, Lord, I need to read your word. I want to honor you. But if I don't know your word, I can't. I don't know whether I'm honoring you or not. I don't know whether if I'm glorifying you or not in my actions unless I learn who you are and what truth is. Are you searching the scriptures? And I know that can be hard. Some people can't see good. Some people can't hear good. Some people can't read good. Uh, but it doesn't change. God knows where you're at. God knows who you are. He doesn't need anybody to testify of you. You don't have to have any excuses. When you sit down and draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And if you can't read hardly at all, if you sit down, my Bible study leader, Mike Abney, learned to read with sight words in the Bible at 50 years of age. And he was my first Bible study leader. And you know what it did for me? I was like, I said, that man's reading words that are wrong, and he's teaching the Bible. And God's using him, and people are listening. And if God can do that with him, he can do it with me. We're supposed to see that testimony and let that bring faith when somebody honors God, no matter what their condition is. No, I mean, that's, I was talking with my buddy Brian the other day and talking about Johnny Erickson Tata. You know, and people go, oh, what a horrible accident. What a terrible thing. What a tragedy. She did a diving accident about 19 and became a paraplegic. Well, all that tragedy, all that, listen, she would have never been able to reach the millions of people that she's reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ if she wouldn't have had a diving accident. And somebody wouldn't have shared the gospel with her. And she learned to paint beautiful portraits and paintings with her teeth and a, and, and a brush. 
She can sing. I mean, her singing is amazing. And she's now doing wheelchairs and all kinds of different things to all kinds of third world country and using prisons to, to refurbish wheelchairs and glasses and different things, walkers, and getting them to people who have no legs that are dragging themselves in other countries. And to God be the glory. I'm not lifting up her. And we would say, what a tragic accident for a 19-year-old girl. And God goes, no, I can use this if you'll honor me and lift me up. I can use this if you'll search the scriptures. I use tragedy. In fact, I use the death of my son to save the world. My only son. If you will believe that, you can have salvation. But the devil wants you to give up when things don't go your way. The devil wants you to make excuses. The devil wants you to listen to the world that says, oh, they're just ADA, whatever the, the acronym is now. We've got all the way from ADHD to LGBTQ now. And, and whatever it is, they're allowed to be that. But that's just titles that men give men to honor men and to dishonor men. But God says you're sinners. You need a savior. I'll die for you. And I will use you for my glory if you will let me. But that takes surrender. That takes surrender. Hey, Charlie, you have to calm down, buddy. I know it looks like a gymnasium. Shh. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. Search it, by the way, means uh, to seek. Seek and you shall find. It means an inquiry. It means to investigate or examine. Are you examining the scriptures? Are you looking into them daily? Well, why would... See, that's again the word. I love these words because of this being a grand courtroom. Examine is a word for testify or, 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 or cross-examine somebody. If somebody comes to cross-examine you to ask you why you believe something, see, if you've been diligent to search the scriptures, you're going to have an answer for every man for the hope that lies within you. But if you haven't been diligent in searching the scriptures, you're going to be like, well, I just said a prayer. But we're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to be ready for that cross-examination when somebody comes against us. And God will be there with you, and you can open your mouth and speak. Search the scriptures for in them you think. You suppose you have an opinion. But see, you can search them for the wrong reason. See, and that's where we're going to get to. The point of our scripture is, is that these were searching for the wrong reason. They wanted to impress the people sitting by. They wanted to receive honor from men. They wanted to look like they had knowledge. They wanted to put some letters behind their name. They wanted to be esteemed by men instead of seeking the glorification and keeping their eyes on the finish line that comes from God. Again, we have martyrero. For in them you think that they testify. Or excuse me. Where am I at? Let me read it again. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which martyreo of me. They testify of Jesus. So again, the point being. Um, I think it's you search the scriptures. But I'm just telling you. you you should search the scriptures. These men are the ruling authorities. These men are the ones that have been in scriptures. These men are known to know the scriptures. 
And back then, the common people couldn't even have scriptures. You had to have be pretty well to do to have a scroll. It was all in scrolls. Today, we have several Bibles in every house. Nobody has to say, well, I don't even have a Bible. If you don't have one, call me. I'll get you one. Listen, scriptures are easy to search today. We, we have Bibles and we don't read them. Back then, you would have to go to the synagogue to hear somebody read the Bible. You would have to go to school and memorize the Bible. And in fact, they did have them memorize the Bible. And they would tell people, hey, the scriptures testify of Jesus. They didn't know it was Jesus. They testify of the Messiah of God, the anointed of God, the Mashiach that is coming. And But then they didn't believe it. I mean, because you can go anywhere in the scriptures and see Jesus. Every single page, you can find Jesus if you believe Jesus. You know, go to Isaiah 53, and we have everything about Jesus. Go to uh, uh, Isaiah 7, 14, and the Lord said, now listen, think about this. If you're the ruling authorities, and, and you're here in the scuttlebutt, and you know that Jesus was born of a virgin, and you, you know that, we've got it written in Luke, and, and this is 35 years later that John's, that John's talking about what Jesus said. Here, if you just did a little bit of studying, in Isaiah 7, 14, uh, uh, God says, Behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin shall conceive in her womb and, and bear a child, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You know, so the scriptures are telling us that the Messiah is coming. They are in their hearts looking for him, but they don't want to receive him. We're going to see that in a minute. They don't want to receive him because if they receive him, they have to die to self. And now they can't get the honor. They can't get the prestige. They can't get the pomp or the position that they want. They have to point to somebody else and be like John and just be a voice. Be like a John that's decreasing so that he can increase. But that's not what our nature wants. We want to be important. We want to be on the top of the heap. And that's what we're taught in our own esteem instead of in Christ's esteem where we humble ourselves and then he lifts us up. But the part of the heart that's being trained to humble yourself, to bow down, is the part that we need. That pride, all that sin nature needs to be bowed down so that as he grows it back up as a little child, when somebody does flatter, when somebody does point, when somebody does say, wow, that was good, you can say, look to Jesus, he's the one. Not with false modesty, but with truth, because you know that there's no way you could have come up with that. But others will say, well, you know, I, uh, I planted 900 churches, and so now I think it's time that we start looking at things like those are secondary, and we can start putting women in charge of men. That's just upside down. That's completely a walk away from the scriptures. And you can't go by the woke community and start doing this, because what's next? What's next when you compromise the scripture? It has to be search the scriptures and follow what the word of God says. That's what true humility is. Remember, I've said this many times. Moses, Bible calls him the humblest man in the Bible. Why? When he heard God's word, he followed it. They didn't call him humble because he walked around going, Oh, always me. I'm such a naughty. No, I'm okay. And I... No. No, in fact, he was the, an angry man, too. And didn't get to go into the promised land because instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock in his anger. He misrepresented God because the people were not doing what he wanted them to do. So he tried to get them motivated to do it by going, what are we going to do? Hit this rock? 
But who was he honoring then? He didn't honor the word of God because the word said, speak to it. And he said, do we have to hit this rock again and hit the rock? Think about that. Messed up the entire analogy that Christ was only struck once, the just for the unjust. He hit him again. But God, in his mercy and grace, um, is a forgiving God, too. Um, notice, in Matareo, uh, the scriptures testify of me. That's what the scriptures are for when you're reading them. They're talking about Jesus every single page, everywhere you look. Micah 5.2. I think I got that one. It's one that we cover uh, uh, at Christmas time, I think. But you, Bethlehem, house of bread, Ephratah, fruitfulness, or fruitful. That's the district of Bethlehem. District of Bethlehem, this part of Bethlehem was in. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, that's the region, the entire region, yet out of you shall come forth to me. Jesus come forth to who? He come forth to God. He was the son of God. And then what, Greg? Well, Isaiah 9 says he was given. And many don't receive him. He, give, he was born, and then he was given by the Father to the world for the sins of the world. Come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel. Now, Israel means governed by God. So he's going to be the ruler of those who are governed by God. What is salvation about? Coming back to the word of God. Coming back to be gov the government of God. Coming back to obey God because Eve disobeyed God. But what happened before Eve disobeyed God? Her head, Adam, disobeyed God by not protecting her. That's what happened before. So that's why he gets the blame in the New Testament. He wasn't protecting his wife from a serpent. He wasn't protecting his wife from the untruth. That's why he's supposed to be the covering of his wife, to protect her from the liar who comes, to make sure she knows the word of God and she's not following a woke culture. She's not looking to go oh, and follow Christ and do anything. A, a woman of God would not let Rick Warren ordain her. Unless she was deceived. Listen to me. A woman of God would know that she can't be a pastor unless she was deceived. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm not going to go that far. But I believe they're apostate. I believe they don't understand the word of God. I believe they'd rather actually do what they want to do than to follow God. And that right there means they choose to do the same thing that Eve did. She knew the truth. She heard the lie. She said, I'm going to follow the lie. And that right there is what we need to think about in our lives. When you hear truth, what do you do? Do you humble yourself like Moses did? Do we bow down? Do we, behold, it's written in the volume of the book. Behold, I have come to do thy will, O God, as Jesus did. And he perfectly gives us his right living. Did you have something you wanted to say, sweetheart? Yeah. That's the, that's the slippery slope. If you compromise, she said, in case you didn't hear, first they started uh, uh, ordaining women as pastors, then transgender, no, excuse me, then gay, and then transgender. What's next? They're already complaining that, well, well, why, would you, why, would you, uh, uh, why would you be concerned about killing a baby? You kill animals and eat the meat. See, this is what happens when you listen to a woke culture. We have dominion over animals. Animals don't have souls. 
The only thing that's going to be in heaven is cats. Got to have something to make bowstrings out of. Cat guts. Oh. You a cat lover? You mad at me? Okay. <laughs> I'm teasing. There's got to be horses too because we come back, myriads of saints come back with Jesus riding horses for the Battle of Armageddon. Everything that you need will be in heaven. Anything you don't need, it won't be there. You'll be okay. God is a perfect provider. But we don't trust him. <coughs> Did I read all of that yet? The one to be ruler in Israel and those governed by God whose going forth are from of old. Remember that's the testimony we we're getting on Sunday. That he, he was before me, preferred before me. He's the ancient of days. It's God coming and taking flesh. Emmanuel, God with us from everlasting. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Then what did he do, Greg? Well, he spoke. Think about it for a minute. Before you open your mouth, your word is in you. It's with you. The word is you, what you think and breathe and, and, and out of the abundance of your heart, then you speak. And what did God do? He created the heavens and the earth. Then he created man. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And the woke culture can't be fruitful and multiply. They want to kill people. The woke culture says there's too many people on the planet already. we got to get rid of them. We can't obey God. we got to kill them. We're going to wear out the planet. That's from the devil. That's from the devil. And you know, almost 70 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade come in. Isn't that crazy? How many is in some countries? Isn't that more than some whole countries? Yeah. When you think about the numbers of people. And I think, and you can just, I, I glorify God, praise you, Lord, that they reversed this decision, but all they did was send it back to the states to make their own decision. And I think it's going to turn out worse because some states are going to kill babies up to 28 days after they're born. They want to look at them and they want to examine them and they want to see if they got all their fingers and whether they have Down syndrome or whether they're going to be and test maybe some of their movements and see if there's going to be something wrong with them. And then they'll begin to say, okay, we've done these tests for the last two weeks and we think your baby has no chance of being a brilliant scholar and doing anything to honor and provide for the world. And so they're going to kill them. The same way they did in the Old Testament when they wanted to do what? They wanted to make more money. They wanted their crops to grow. They wanted Molech to take care of them, false gods, and they would lay them in the arms and kill them after they were born. Now, some people will say, well, that's because they didn't have the technology we had today. We have the technology, and we're still doing it. We can see little babies in the womb fighting against the instruments that's ripping them apart, and we go, oh, that's nothing there. There's no pain there. I'm sorry, it's a hard subject to talk about, and God forgives those who would do it and repent. But he only forgives repentance when we turn from it and we stop preaching death culture. So when we preach the woke culture, we're still preaching death culture. But I think it's going to end in a bad way personally. Because it wasn't done because of repentance to God. It wasn't done in order to bow down and fast and turn back to God as a nation. It was done in a political battle. 
it's not done for the right reason, then it's only going to be used for the wrong reasons. Because you always look at the fruit that you look at the root that it came from. And so if the root was bad, the fruit is going to be bad. It's called fruit of the poisonous tree. And the devil knows that. But he plays on our ignorance because we won't search the scriptures. We won't seek to honor God in his word and lift him up no matter what it costs us. So we end up following nonsense and earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. And we think we're okay fighting political party fights when we really should be just trying to lift up God and glorify him. Enthrone him in your life. Put him first in your life. Him and him alone. Search the scriptures. They testify of Jesus. And then look at this. Look at this, what Jesus testifies. See, that's one of the things we're going to see as we go through the book of John uh, on Sundays is not only are people testifying and giving witness, but Jesus testifies against people. Look what he says in verse 40. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. See, he gives, he bids. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's going to give life to anybody that comes. He will in no ways cast anybody out that comes. But he's saying to these that search the scriptures for the wrong reason. They're looking to impress the wrong person, glorify the wrong thing. They're there to build their own kingdom. He's saying to them, you're not willing to come to me. See, because you can't come your own way. You have to come his way. You have to come admitting you're a sinner and believing that he's the only true God that has made a sacrifice that will forgive and cleanse you of your sin nature will give you new life, a new nature, make you a new creation and begin to change your life as you listen and obey and keep searching the scriptures. I think it's amazing that he give us 66 books by 40 authors and they all tell the same testimony of the same God doing the same thing, speaking things into existence. They were not willing to come. Listen, it's an interesting thing. That word for come there can mean to come or to go. So that really they were just not willing in their hearts to obey. Because if he tells you to come and you can come to him, but then he says, now that you came, go and make disciples and teach them to obey all things. And then you don't go, you really haven't come to him because coming to him means coming back under his government, coming back under his word, coming back underneath his headship, coming back into his family and obeying what he says. So that word gets turned. Once you come and you confess, now you have to go profess. It all goes together if you're truly following. There's always going to be evidence of what's in your heart and what's coming out proves what's in your heart. It becomes the testimony against you. That's why when we get to the throne, whether it's the white throne or the Bema seat, we will have nothing we can say because it'll all be laid out before us. His marvelous light will, it'll be laid there. You'll be like, ah, yeah, um, the evidence is pretty clear there, huh? Nothing I can really say, is there? Every mouth will be shut up. They'll have shut up put on them. Every mouth and every knee will bow. One day, every knee will bow. And I believe we that are bowing now will just keep on bowing even more. Maybe completely prostrate on our face once we see him. But those 
that aren't bowing now, I believe they'll get on their face begging for a second chance and none's going to be given because it's appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. And that judgment is going to be made up on the testimony and witness and how we're living right now. And if we've really come, then we'll go. If we've really come, then we'll begin to ask him, how can I honor you with the life that you've given me? How can I be thankful? How can I gratify this? How can I turn back and give you all the, 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 the uh, thanks and the, and, and the honor and the glory for my life that you've saved me out of this pit of sin? And it says right here, they were not willing. Why? Why? He's going to get to it in a minute. We've got to do something with him. We're drawing everybody to him. We've got to do something with him. Remember they sent the guards? I think of this stuff and I, as I'm going through it. They sent these guards and they go, go get him. And they come back going, maybe their head's bobbling, they're delirious. And they go, where is it? They go, nobody ever spoke like him before. I mean, because they went, how do you arrest a guy that's speaking truth and love and, and they just come back delirious. They go, well, nobody ever spoke like that before. I think it's amazing. It's just amazing testimony. And it wasn't because he, there was comeliness about him, Isaiah says. There was no comeliness about him, a word that we don't use. But it wasn't like he stood seven foot tall and, and was as wide as a house and, and glowing. He looked just like the other Jewish guys that he was standing in the crowd with. In fact, if it wasn't for his words, he wouldn't have been stood out in the crowd at all. So see, out of the abundance of our heart, that's the only thing that needs to be honored and lifted up is the word of God. And if it's drawing attention to us, then it's not really honoring God. So we have to get out of the way, as John says, decrease that he might increase. And that is honoring to God. That's glorifying God. It's lifting him high. We'll get to it. I'm sorry, we're taking a long time to get to it. But you are not willing. See, that's an act of your free will that God gave you. You can choose to receive this, or you can choose to go on receiving everything else, or you can receive this free gift that he has given. I do not, verse 41, look what he says. I do not receive honor from men. Are we supposed to be like Christ? There's one of the things of Christ right there, his character, his nature, his will. He doesn't receive honor from men. You can't flatter him and go, oh, good teacher, come here and turn this uh, water into something that I can drink. You can't flatter him and get him to do anything. He's doing the will of the Father. He's being led by the Spirit. He's full of the Spirit without measure. He's not, he's not listening to any of the, 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 the false accolades and positioning of men. He didn't listen to it from the other greatest being that was created the devil, who's all, who is mighty, but God is almighty. The devil said, if you will come and honor me, glorify me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Worship me, because this word honor, to glory God, when you're talking about God, it means to praise and worship and honor God, to glorify God. And see, the devil wants us to glorify him, to give him praise, to give him our worship, and Jesus didn't even let him because he knew who he was. He said, away with you. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Oh, does that give us a clue what worship is? It's service. It's serving God, obeying God. 
You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Oh, so it's something you do if you're really worshiping. It's not just music you clap to and sing real loud. I'm serious. This is pretty serious stuff here because we're living in culturality. We're living in where the scriptures have been twisted to lift men up who stand on little stages or on pulpits and write books and have conferences, and we're lifting them up, and we're going, man, I wish I could be like him, and we should really be wanting to be like Jesus. And if a man can speak or do something that would encourage you and help you grow, you should be saying, look at the gift that God has given him and pointing at Jesus, not at a man. And we actually flatter them, and we honor them, and we hurt people when we do that. Nothing wrong with giving a, a pastor respect. Nothing wrong with giving a teacher respect if God's using him. The Bible says he's worthy of double honor. But not honor except for the fact that God gave him the gift. Because all of us as the body of Christ have gifts. And if you're walking in your gift, God will glorify you. God will lift you up. God will finish you and perfect you until the day of Christ Jesus. But if you're just going, oh, I'm going to play culturality, are we even saved? Are we even willing to come to him if I'm willing to follow what man says and not dig in and say, Lord, here I am. Pull me out of this pit. Pull me out of this culture entity. Pull me out of this pretending and bring me into a place of relationship with you where I can be one of your sheep that hears your voice. You know me and I'm following you. I'm in the same way with you and I'm wanting to honor you by bowing down so that you can glorify me at the end of the race and say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's worship, servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. So he says, I do not receive honor. I do not receive glory from men. But I know you. There it is again. He knows us. He's told them twice. He knows exactly who they are. I know you. It's interesting. Um, that's the word gnoskos. It's to know absolutely. It's to understand completely. And I mean, that's part of why he came to earth and took flesh. So that he could be acquainted with our grief. That he could go through everything and, and uh, be like us. And be a high priest that's acquainted with our grief. He could secure us or help us and aid us in time of need. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Wow. Can you think about that for a moment? If you're standing there and you're the religious authority and you're pretty perturbed with this guy that's coming in and he's preaching and, and uh, you've been searching the scriptures and you're looking for the Messiah and you have no idea if that's the Messiah. In fact, now you've turned your heart so hard that you want to kill him and you're like, he's not the Messiah. And he's standing there telling you, you've been reading the scriptures. You've been searching them. They testify of me. What a testimony of yourself. I mean, you either got to be a, a lunatic or you're Jesus the Christ. You're the Lord. To sit there and look at the ruling authorities and speak to them calmly and then say, you do not have the love of God in you. Wow. What a statement to make to the religious authorities. But you know what? I'm convinced that they knew that he was true. I'm convinced that they looked at it and went. That's like if somebody asked you, listen, if somebody looked you in the face and says, well, what does it mean to be holy? 
See, these are things that we need to know. What does it mean to be holy? Wow, what a word, what a question. Because when you ask Christians, they don't know. Jesus said, be holy because I am holy. Man, we should find out what holiness means. It's not what the church kind of teaches it means. Holy is the word hagios. It means to be separated. Just like Jesus, he was the separated, the anointed one that, was, that came to do God's will. So if we are holy, then we're separated to serve God, to worship God. We're just like the, the cups and the bowls in the temple. They were used for God's glory. We don't give glory to God. We don't, but we glorify God as we obey, as we allow him to use us for his service, to go out and be witness and give testimony because people will see there's no way you could do it unless you set apart. You're in the world, but you're separate. You're not of the world because you're not marching to the drum of their wokeism. You're not listening to their lies. You're being led by the Spirit, and you can quickly see their deception. And all you have to do is ask, and he gives us this. But when our hearts are focused on getting stuff, when our hearts are focused on honoring men, when our hearts are focused on being pleasing to the people sitting next to us and all around us, or wherever they may be that we're trying to honor, then we can't honor God. You can't honor God. He says, you're the love, you do not love God. Wow, that's a hard one. I mean, if I was serving God and searching the scriptures and living the way I'm living, and, and somebody walks up to me and says, you don't love God, I'd be like, well, what are you making that assumption on? But we're talking about God in the flesh that knows their hearts. You don't need anybody to testify of it. Have you talked to God lately and said, God, am I living in a way that proves that I love you and testifies that I love you? Or am I ashamed of you in the way that I live? Am I ashamed of you by the things that I honor and give glory to down here instead of glorifying you? It's a tough message. Look what Proverbs 3 says. 3.1, and we'll get to part of it. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart, notice where it's at, it's your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, what we talk about, the things that we're honoring and glorifying. We could tell by our heart, by the evidence that's in there. Out of the abundance. Now, what's the abundance? It's the top. It's the overflow is what the word means. What's falling out? I catch myself sometimes. I have to bite my tongue. Somebody will say something, I say something, and then it's hurtful. And I don't mean to be hurtful. I'm just playing. But sometimes, and the Bible says that for every idle word, the Bible says prattling is wrong, which is loose playing. And it's not good, and we're going to have to answer for it. But we do it. Because we're in this sin nature, and it's easy to walk in the flesh, but it's hard to live in the spirit. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. See, we want to be added to. We want, to, we want him to build it up and perfect us. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. What's that mean? It means like wearing them like jewelry. Instead of having to have a big old cross there, put mercy and truth there as what you are adorned with. 
So you're giving others mercy. You're giving truth. You're searching the scriptures, looking for mercy, looking for truth. And then you give it to others. And it's worn around your neck where people know that you're a person who serves God because of the mercy and truth that you bring to them. And you're adorned with it. Write them on the tablet of your heart. See, that's what's important. The heart. Let your heart keep my commands. Well, they're written there. Now I know which way to turn and which way to go. Now I know I'm being led by the Spirit because this is not easy to follow this because this is what God's Word said, but I really feel like going and doing this. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Why? And so find favor and high esteem. Notice this because it's very important. In the sight of God and man. Notice man is last. You always want to look to honor God first. But the tendency of our flesh is to honor man because they're right here. And we want men to be happy with us. We want men to look at us and, and to flatter us and to, and, to, and to feel like I'm doing good because I'm making the pastor happy. I'm doing good because I'm making my boss happy. I'm doing good because I'm making the police happy. They haven't stopped my car and arrested me. Listen, seek to please God and ever the rest of it will fall into place. Just like Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his right living before God. And then all these other things will be thrown in. When you get that vertical relationship right, keep it at the forefront on your heart, then the horizontal will fall into place. And if somebody's not pleased with you, then God is allowing that. You see that. You can pray for them because they seem to be your enemy. You begin to pray for them, and you try to correct that horizontal relationship. But some people just will not be corrected. And you can't do nothing about that. So then you have to begin to form a few boundaries on that. But you can still pray for them. Because they don't, I mean, like Jesus said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know that they're sinning against their own soul. They don't know that that, that, that hate that they're having towards you or whatever it is that ought is putting poison in their own heart. So you want to pray for them. You want to be at peace with all men as far as you are able and then, of course, the memory verse. I mean, notice it's God and man. Sight of God and man. We are living in the sight of God. And his, what he says about us, is the most important thing. And then, of course, we have the famous scripture that everybody memorizes. Trust in the Lord. That word trust there is the word batak. It's like the Hebrew word for have faith in. When you're living by faith. Because without faith it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How are we supposed to do that? We search the scriptures. We're diligent in the scriptures. Diligent. To show ourselves workmen approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. But he says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Notice heart was three times in these last five verses. Heart. Keep it, keep his commands, write it on your heart, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own earthly, sensual, demonic understanding. In all your ways, come to know God, acknowledge him, put him first, glorify him first, honor him first, and he shall make your paths straight. You won't be crooked anymore. You'll walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay. That was 
because he said, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Who's the love of God? Jesus. 43, I have come, Jesus talking about himself. Why did I come? I have come in my Father's name. Who sent him? I have come in my Father's name. Here's that word, onema, onemo. I forget what it is. It starts with no. Um, and it means character, nature, and will, his authority. See, he's the separated one, the anointed one, the only one that can die for the sins of the world that God has anointed and appointed. This is what he was called for. And he came in his father's name, following his father's authority, following his father's plan, following his father, what his father told him to do, uh, his character, his nature. He's the love of God. He's the heart of God. And you do not receive me. Greatest gift the father sent. And they are not receiving him. If another comes in his own character, nature, will, his own name, his own authority, who's coming? The liar, the deceiver, the murderer, the devil. Listen, he's coming. He's the one that's bringing the woke culture. He's the one bringing all the other noise except for the truth of this word, except for the spirit of God. There's another coming in his own name to the nation of Israel. He's speaking to the nation of Israel. Here in this time, him you will receive. Now this speaks of something that's getting ready to happen soon. Uh, the, the, the lying signs and wonders movement, the weight culture, here they are trying. This is all they're doing. They're trying to bring harmony. They're trying to bring everybody together in peace. All they want you to do is accept people for who they are, and that's love. And everybody gets to receive that. And there's going to be a world leader that will come in and codify that and make that happen. And everybody will believe that he is so religious and perfect, but he's a liar, he's a murderer, he's a deceiver. That's not his true heart. The love of God is not in him because he was a murderer from the beginning. And they're going to receive him. He's going to be so deceptive, just like the serpent was subtle to Eve, that they, the whole world is going to choose him, except for those who know that he's a liar. That the love of God is not in him. And the nation of Israel is going to choose him as their Messiah. Then what happens, Greg? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you that the Bible says that there'll be a seven-year peace agreement at that time. I believe the church is taken out. And then at three and a half years into that peace agreement, that same one that deceives them, believing himself to be God, goes into the temple and sits on the throne. The temple has to be rebuilt then because there's no temple now, Greg. It'll be rebuilt on the, on the dome. And he will sit down and say, I'm God, worship me. And the whole world will see it. And Israel will say Whoa, we made a mistake. And then the whole world turns against Israel for three and a half more years. And the Bible says they go and hide at Petra. And, and then it says that Jesus comes back riding a white horse with myriads of the saints. And then there's going to be the battle of Armageddon. And, and the blood's going to be up to the bridle of the horses. That's just what I believe the Bible says. They're going to receive one soon. And if you see that, you might want to pay attention. If you see Israel saying our long-awaited Messiah is here, you might want to know that that's the Antichrist and you should not listen to anything they're saying. 
Now, I don't think we're going to be here, but if you are here, that would mean you were left behind. So don't listen to what they're saying. That's when you got permission to rebel against the Antichrist. And then you'll be crying out. He's going to come in his own character, his own nature, his own will, but he's going to be pretending to be a really nice guy that's bringing everybody together in peace. See, it's just what's going on in the spirit of the world today. We've got to be accepting of everybody. No matter what gender they want to be, no matter what feelings they have, no matter what emotions, no matter what they want to do, you've just got to accept them. Unless, of course, they're Christians and they believe in that Jesus guy and then we don't want to accept them. And if you don't listen, what do they do? They'll tear something down. They'll break something. They'll beat you up so that you're afraid and you never speak up again. And they silence your voice. So with, on the backdrop of all of that, with him telling them that, they understand more, uh, actually better than we do. He says, how can you believe? Listen, you're, you're searching the scripture, you're blind because you're looking for it to have power over the people instead of looking to have a relationship with God. You, your heart's not in the right direction. You're not. You, how can you believe when the scriptures are what testify of me? And of course, that word's pistio. It means how can you trust your entire spiritual well-being into me and believe that I am the Christ when the love of God is not in you? You're living in a system of, uh, uh, of power and pomp and position, and you don't want to lose it, so you won't believe anything different than what you're already doing. Listen, you got to get out of your comfort zone. you got to step out into the realm of the unknown, into faith where Jesus is at, and trust him that he loves you. He loves you so much he gave his life. How will he not give you everything else for life and godliness? But you have to trust him and stop believing the lies of the Antichrist. Stop believing the lies of this world that's turning to sway the wicked one. Stop listening to their lies. The whole system, everything. Listen to me. What they're really nice people. They got a food bank. Listen to me. It's all underneath the sway of the wicked one if it's not following Jesus. Doesn't matter how nice they are doesn't matter how well they speak. It doesn't matter how educated they might be. It doesn't matter how many PhDs they have behind their name. Are you trying to climb a corporate ladder? Oh, now listen, Greg, you can't start picking on corporate ladders. Now, I've been working hard, and I went to college, and I did all these things, and there's nothing wrong with me being promoted because we need witnesses everywhere. Well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you working there, but are you working for them or are you working for Jesus? Are you looking to receive honor and praise and glory from them? Are you working for your paycheck so you can keep climbing? Or are you working for God to be a witness for God and give glory to God? This is what he's talking about here. How can you believe who receive glory, praise, worship, honor? This is what this word means. This is the word doxa. It means who receive the opinion of, the view of, the judgment of, 
it means the glory when speaking of God, praise and worship when seeking of God, but it means glorification. So you and I, we, we know, when you hear glorification, listen, there's positional sanctification. That's the first, when you're justified just as if you never sinned and you believe that Jesus is Lord and he paid for all your sins and you become white as snow. And then there's practical sanctification where you're being set apart, separated to do God's will. And as you do it and obey, the Holy Spirit's teaching you and training you and burning out everything that's of you and building up everything that's Christ. And then there's the finish line. We're in a twinkling of an eye. We'll, this corruptible body will put on incorruption. And we'll cross the, the finish line and we'll be glorified with Christ as the bride of Christ. There's glorification. And that's where our eyes are supposed to be fixed. That's where our heart is supposed to be fixed. That's where every bit of us is supposed to be fixed and pointing to is to cross the finish line. And here, well done, good and faithful servant. To seek the glory that comes from God. The glorification that comes from God. The only. And, oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's back up. From God only. Again, God only. Not from one another. See, there's a one another ministry. But this is the bad one another ministry. There's the one another ministry where we serve one another, we help one another, we carry one another's burdens. We do everything we can to help the body of Christ, the one another ministry, to grow and not to be deceived into looking for the accolades or the rewards or the honor or the blessing or the favor from these down here because it entices you to walk away from God and to stumble and to roam from safety and leave his hand because you're pursuing this stuff down here. Notice it says who receive honor. You, you don't receive the gift that's given, but you receive the lies from the world. And do not seek. What are you seeking? And do not seek. There's that word again that we use for search. And do not search the scriptures. Do not examine what you're believing. See, this is what we're called to do. Actually, it's a, it's a Hebraism. Did I mention this? I'm learning new stuff as I go through John. A Hebraism is just the Hebrew word used in an expression or a manner. But the Hebraism here, when you say seek, it actually is inferring that you are praising and worshiping God. You're seeking after God. That's what the Hebrew word means in a Hebraism. When they say, are you seeking God? Are you seeking the glory that comes from God and God only? Listen, because we'll deceive ourselves. I remember young in the Lord and Tom would make excuses for me. I'd say, Tom, what are you doing making excuses? If I do something, I want to apologize to people. I'll con myself out of salvation. I'll, my, my flesh will con me straight out of salvation, and I'll be practicing religion and pretending and acting like, and it won't even be real. I said, so if somebody says, come to you and says, I offended them, bring them to me. I'll apologize to them. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just trying to be real. So what are you seeking? 
Who are you seeking to honor? Where are you searching? If you search the scriptures, they testify of who Jesus is, what he looks like, what he does, what is, whose name he came in, the Father's name. It's his character, his nature, his will. It's his living will. Listen, what's a will? It's a will and testament. Don't let the world lie to you. They get every bit of their probate law from the Bible. Don't let the law to you. They get every bit of their criminal law from the Bible. Don't let the law, the, them lie to you. They get every moral standard that there is from the Bible. And they want to kill them because they're practicing death culture. And they're looking to honor one another. And if one of them is a little bit more meaner or nastier or immoral than the others, then they all want to be like him and they want to cover it up so that he can go on being immoral because he can move and shake things and bring them into a position where they want to be. And so they just put up with his immorality. But we are supposed to be light bearers. We're supposed to be allowing the consuming fire to burn out the dross. We're supposed to be those that are becoming more and more like Jesus. And we're looking for the glorification, the end of the race, for the great catching away. We're looking to go be with Jesus. We should be looking up. Things are falling into place. And our hope is drawing near. Where's your hope at? It's in Jesus. It's not in the next vacation. It's not in the next promotion. It's not in man or this world acknowledging or honoring you. Or honoring any man other than the God-man, Jesus Christ. And again, I want to point out that it's from God only. Because even after you're serving God, if you begin to go, well, I'm serving God now, and I think some of these other pastors, some of these other churches, they ought to just look up and notice that I'm serving God. Then you set yourself up for disaster. Because now you start to perform because you want them to notice you instead of you just let God see your heart, search your heart. While you're searching the scriptures, he's shining his light in there. He's tearing down walls. He's cleansing you. He's changing you. He's forgiving you when you ask for forgiveness. And he's moving you to when you wake up and you go, wow, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I don't have to search for nothing. God's doing this. He's leading me as I follow his light to my path and lamp to my feet. And listening for his voice, the still small voice that says, Adam, where are you? Isn't that a voice? Man, could you imagine that? And that's what God would say to us today. Where are you? Whose honor are you seeking? And we have to answer him. And Adam, he knew his voice, and he's like, oh, man, we were afraid, and we hid ourselves because we were naked. Well, who told you you were naked? And that's the same thing God just wants to have a conversation. He didn't go, you idiot, where are you naked for? He just wanted to reason with him. And then God came and took those fig leaves off of him and killed an animal and covered and clothed him. And he wants to be the covering. He wants to protect us as his, as his creation and his bride. He's not mad at us. We just need to come and look to honor him and talk with him. Next week's scripture, Luke 7, 6 and 7. I think that's right. Let me look. Luke. 
Is that right? Seven, six, and seven. Everybody turn in there real fast. That's not right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Mark, seven, six, and seven. I got lost. How did I get Luke? I knew it was one of the Gospels. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Mark 7, 6 and 7. Listen to this. It's a lot. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's a big one. We might spend a couple weeks looking at it and get back into 2 Kings next week. But this is a big one. Notice, this people honors me. He's talking about the apostate religious system of Israel. We back to the word honors. With only their lips. See, their heart, their heart wasn't seeking the glory of God. But their lips were good at it. They could tell people, and Jesus even told them, uh, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Because they were telling them the right stuff, but they weren't doing the right stuff in witness. And the Bible tells us, uh, uh, Luke tells us in, in uh, Acts chapter 1, all that Jesus began to do and to teach. It's not to teach and not to do, not to teach and then figure out how to do it, but to do it and then teach it. And, of course, Jesus was already perfect, so he could teach about perfection. He was already God, so he could teach about the kingdom of God. But we want to draw near, not just with our lips, not just with singing songs and lip service, but with our hearts. Father, thank you for your word. And we ask, Lord, that you'd help us look at the word honor differently after today. That, Lord, as the word says to honor your father and your mother, that we would understand the hierarchy of authority and where that fits in. That first, it's you and you only. But then you've placed other authority in our lives that we have to respect. And, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to understand that, to properly appropriate that and be the people that are called by your name. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Wake us up. Shine your light in our heart. Give us a desire to repent and to hear your voice that you would know us and we would follow you until the day that we're glorified and we see you face to face. And hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We long for that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.